Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. Well, good morning. Let's read our passage that uh, helps get us centered a little bit about the Word. All right? Let's, pr- let's read. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong with our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles today, I'd like you to open them to Matthew chapter 21. Yeah, we're not going to be in Judges today, so just feeling a little too judgy, so we're going to back off just for a couple weeks here, all right? Um, Yeah, how many of you are horse people? Anybody a horse person? I see a couple of people with, yeah, horse people there. Okay, good, good, good. Most of you, yeah, I see one like this, you know. My wife was a horse person. Yeah, she grew up with horses and she had long braids and she'd jump in the horse saddle and she would, yeah, you know, yeah. So um, when I met her, I was kind of scared of horses. Still am, still am. I'm not a horse person at all. Um, more of a pony guy, you know, pony guy. Uh, but, uh, you know, horses, horses are interesting because, you know, you have horses and, and horses are known for their names, right? I mean, you, you get a good horse and you name it a name and then it's like, yeah. So I just, I'm just curious. Anybody here know a, a name of a really, really famous horse? Anybody? Seabiscuit. Okay. Won the Kentucky Derby. Is that right? Or the Triple Crown or something like that? Okay. See how, how well versed I am in horses? Okay. Who, another one I heard over here. Black Beauty. Okay. Another one. Mr. Ed. He's the most famous of all. The talking horse. What? Sil, hi ho, silver and away. Okay. Whose horse was that? You remember? Lone Ranger. There you go. There you go. Anybody remember, uh, let's see, Roy Rogers horse. Trigger. See, horses are famous. You want to be famous? Be a horse, I guess, is the, is the takeaway from that, right? Now, um, just curious. Anybody know a famous donkey? Shrek on Shrek. Yeah, yeah. Donkey. Uh, that's about the only one I can think of, right? And he's not even real. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There, there, there are some famous donkeys in the Bible, aren't there? Okay. Can you, can you name some of them? The, what's that one? Balaam's donkey. He actually was able to talk. God enabled him to speak, right? Another donkey that you know in scripture. What's? Which one? The, the one that Jesus wrote in. We're going to talk about him today. All right. And can you think of another one? Mary's donkey that she rode in on, right? Was that a donkey? Was that in scripture? 
Check it out. You guys check it out. All right. Okay. We think that might be true. But, you know, what else would she be riding, right? Maybe a camel. Who knows? All right. Hey, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about the donkey today a little bit. But we're going to talk about the Palm Sunday event. So if you have Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 starts like this. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on Mount Olives, uh, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. And this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, Say, To the daughter of Zion, see, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. Gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt and they placed their cloaks on them. And Jesus sat on them. Very large crowds spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from trees, spread them on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So here we are. This is... Of course, the week before Jesus is crucified. But the crowd seemed to be enamored with Jesus. They were expecting him to come in, and he does, and he's on this donkey. And uh, I just want to, there's a few takeaways from this story. You've probably heard it many, many times. But the first thing that I see here, the prophecy said what? He comes to you. He comes to you. That's pretty significant. Um, Isn't it interesting that um, most people go out to see famous people, right? I mean, Jesus would have been considered really, really famous during that period of time. He was well-known. The word had spread. He was a miracle man. He was a healer. He was a person who was bringing peace and word of the kingdom of God. And, and they knew that he was a powerful entity. Some wondered if he was the Messiah, that was going to deliver the nation of Israel. So, so he had some creds and he was coming into town. But what's interesting is that we, nowadays, um, we go out to see famous people. It says here that he came to them. Isn't that interesting? Uh, I, I've seen some famous people in my day, but none of them knocked on my door. You know? None of them drove into the town where I was at and said, hey, where does Bruce Porter live? I want to go see him, right? I mean, I went out to see them. I'm just curious, have anybody here seen anybody famous before, right? Do they come to your house? No, all right? I mean, it's kind of fun to, to say, oh, yeah, well, I saw this famous person. But at the same time, to have someone that you know is important come to you, that really speaks volumes. In, in Philippians, it talks about in chapter 2 that Jesus didn't consider equality with God as something to be held on to and grasped tightly, 
But instead, he decided to empty himself and to be made in the, in the, in the image, in the flesh, just like you and me, human, fully human. And he left heaven's glory and he came down to us. I mean, that's one of the main messages of the redemption story of the Bible is that God chooses to come to us. He chooses to come to you. That's important to know. God loves you so much that he was willing to leave his place in heaven to come down to this planet so that he could pay the penalty for our sin and we could have a restored relationship with him. That's the center of what we call the gospel. The good news is that he chooses to come to us. All right? That's great news. Now, the the second thing that I see here is that it says he comes gently. He comes gently. Um, The term used for being gentle here are words that indicate uh, something that's mild, something that's soothing, has a soothing quality to it. Um, it's actually a, a kind of connected with a quality that is sh- should be expected of a good friend, someone who is gentle. Uh, it could be referred to benevolent rulers or tame animals um, or mild medications, right? All to say this is that when Jesus comes, he comes in a gentle spirit. He doesn't come wielding a sword. He doesn't come uh, with accusations. He doesn't come in judgment. Remember, Jesus himself said, I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save it. Right? And so all judgment aside, that's, gonna, that's left for, for God the Father at the end of time. He's, he's the, the great judge. Right? But even Jesus, our Savior, he comes and he says, I'm not here to accuse you of anything. I'm here because I love you so much. I'm coming to bring salvation, restoration. And so it's important for us to know that, that there is a gentle, kind-hearted spirit that has no judgment in it for us. You know, when someone comes to you and you hope that that person is not judgmental, you ever met a person who's kind of judgy all the time? You're just kind of caustic. You don't really want to be around people like that, do you? It's just uncomfortable. Well, it's good to know that Jesus is the kind of God in human flesh who comes to us without the agenda of judgment or punishment, but instead comes with compassion in his heart, with a gentle spirit to tell people, you and me, that he loves us to bits. Right? That's important to know. Now, the third thing I see here is that he comes riding on a donkey. Right? He comes riding on a donkey. Now, we know from that period of time that when someone was important, they didn't ride a donkey. They rode a stallion. Right? They rode a horse that looked like a real horse. You know? Not a frumpy little donkey. Right? And when when someone was the conqueror, when they defeated the enemies, uh, what did he come in? He came in on a stallion with all his troops behind him, and he wanted to make a statement. 
Well, there was a tradition in that time period, too, that sometimes, every once in a while, a king would ride into a city, maybe a city that he was at odds with at some point in time, and he would ride in on a donkey. And what that represented was that he was the emissary of peace, that he was coming on a peaceful mission, not a war mission. Two ways to approach You have two kings, and if one wants to take over this country, what do you do? You come in in a stallion, and you take over, and you lead your troops with a sword in hand and a shout, right? Or you say, you know, I want to make peace with this other country. I'm going to represent peace with riding a donkey, okay? Because a donkey is not threatening. It's not supposed to be threatening, right? And so Jesus then... He's the king, but he's coming in and symbolically it is a moment that says this is someone who's not coming in with swords and spears and a lot of people that are going to run you over. He's coming in with a message of peace. So he's coming to you. He's coming gently with a gentle spirit, no judgment. And he's coming in to create peace, to create peace. Now, Matthew 5, verse 9 says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. If God himself in human flesh comes to us with an attitude of peace, of, of spreading that idea that, that there's going to be peace between you and God and, and, and you and, and one another, then we um, should be, as, as the children of God, called peacemakers. But Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So as, as Jesus came in to bring peace, he brings peace to us and for us, right? But that peace only comes through Jesus. We, we try all kinds of different things to give us peace. I was I was intrigued with that that definition of uh, of gentle spirit being a mild medication. Isn't that so true today? I mean, one of the first things the doctor will do is they'll say, "Oh, well, let's you know, let's let's medicate you." Right? That's how we come to a place where we can calm it down a little bit, take it down a notch, and we take this medication that will mellow us out. Right? Well, you know what really is the answer to discouragement, to um, feeling tense and uptight all the time? Um, I'm not dissing medications. Medications applied in the right, right way are a gift from God, right? But the real peace comes from where? Comes from our relationship with God through Jesus. And so um, we, we believe that that peace the peace we have with God and the peace that we can have with one another actually comes through the Lord Jesus. Romans twelve eighteen says this, If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. Oh, here's the part I hate. With everybody. Right? I mean, really? Really? Well, but... If we believe the scripture is true, if we believe that God only speaks truth, then we believe that it is possible 
And it's going to take a little bit of effort, but as, as, as far as it depends on me, I have to be a person who represents and promotes peace with God and with other people, right? And sometimes that's really hard. Sometimes that's hard. And sometimes, I love the way that the verse is phrased. It says, as, as long as it depends on you or as far as it depends on you, in other words, you have to do your part even if the other party doesn't do their part. Okay? You do your best. They may be at war with you. They may not want to be at peace with you, but your part presented yourself as a person who's gentle, non-judgmental, and wanting to promote peace with that other person. Is it always going to work? Maybe not. Maybe not. But... It doesn't mean that you don't stop trying, right? Um, Romans fourteen seventeen says this, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's part of who we are as God's people. Romans fourteen nineteen goes on and says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace. And mutual edification. Now, what that word? It's a big word. It just like it means build each other up. Um, one of the best ways that you can actually make peace with somebody else is to be nice to them and to encourage them. Right? I mean, say something good about them. Uh, talk about their good characteristics. Maybe a time when they've helped you. Thank them for who they are and. Uh, Build each other up. That's a part of what helps bring peace to a situation. Another one, Matthew 21, 9, the main passage we're looking at today, says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Because why? Because the Lord is the one who brings peace. I'll give you one more. Ephesians chapter 2, 14 through 18 says this, For he himself is our peace. You catch that? It's It's not that the circumstances get changed necessarily. It's Jesus himself is our peace. Just the fact that we know that, that he is here for us and that he lives in us through his spirit, that it's him who is the peace. The circumstances may or may not change, right? The person who is at odds with you may or may not want to be at peace with you. But it doesn't mean that you can't have the peace because you have Jesus. And Jesus himself is our peace. Isn't that beautiful? And, and it goes on, he says, Jesus himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to you who were near. For through him, we both have access to the father by one spirit. He's basically saying there, there's, there's two groups of people on the planet. They're the people who love God 
and cherished the relationship with him and, and have accepted him as their Lord and Savior and follow him and try to live out their life the way that God has designed them to live. And then there are those who don't. And what the scripture is saying is that God desires that all people will come to know him personally. That all people, regardless of where they come, what their backgrounds are, what they've done in their life, he wants all to come to faith and repentance so that we are all one together, like Jesus and the Spirit and the Father are all one, right? That's Jesus' purpose. So what's the takeaway? Well, the takeaway, I think we got, again, three things, right? If Jesus came to us and we are told, go and tell the gospel, right? Make disciples, baptize them, teach them everything that Jesus taught us. What are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to sit here on Sunday mornings and hope people come through the door so that the pastor can preach a good sermon and give a, you know, invitation at the end and get saved? There's nothing wrong with that. But what did Jesus do? He came to us. I would propose that one of the main things that Jesus wants us to do is to go. To go where people have need. You know, the people that respond most quickly to the gospel are the people who are in deep need of the gospel, of the good news that God loves them and that he's not judgmental and that he, he comes in, in the spirit of, of gentleness, right? But if we are to go, as Matthew twenty eight nineteen through 20 says, go and make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach these disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and here's the, here's the key. Be sure of this. I am with you. Always. Note that whenever Jesus sent his disciples out, he sent them in what? Twos. Right? Now, if Jesus is always with you, you're already two. Right? But Jesus knows how weak and squeamish we are. So I would say, yes, Jesus is with you, but it would be really cool if you'd go with a friend. I mean, Jesus sent his, his disciples out in pairs. He knew how tough it was sometimes to be on your own when you're out there sharing the, the good news. He, he knows that we're going to run into people who don't want to receive that message. Um, some will gladly listen to you. Others, not so much, right? I mean, when Janice and I, uh, when she makes the cookies or the scones or whatever, and then we go out on, you know, giving them out and stuff, we like to go in twos, right? Both of us go. Sometimes she goes by herself because Jesus was with her. But, you know, so a lot of times we like to go together, you know, strength in numbers, all that stuff. But I want to encourage you to start thinking about this. If you want to see more candles lit, isn't that cool? People come into faith. That's awesome. But I believe with all my heart that God has you positioned 
where you are right now in either your school, your workplace, your retirement center, wherever you are, wherever you travel, you know, travel, you go to the coffee shop, you go to the grocery store, you go get some gas, whatever you do, wherever you are, that's I call your sphere of influence. It's that that bubble. That's where you are, where you go regularly. I think God has you there for a reason. I think God has you there um, to make an impact and to present people with the truth that God loves them. And that way that it happens most often is with our number two point here. And that is be gentle. Be gentle in our approach. Titus 3 verse 2 says, be peaceable and considerate and always be gentle to everyone. I mean, just doing that, just living that out as you move around in your bubble of influence can make a huge difference. It means that you're sensitive and you're gentle. And when when someone maybe has a hard time, um, you, you instead bring a measure of peace. I remember, you know, we go to the grocery store probably way too much. And uh, I remember the, just the other day, uh, somebody was ragging on the the checker. I mean, all the checker is trying to do is just get her job done, you know, just get her job done. Get those things bleeped and into the grocery bag and say goodbye. Right. And, and I was right behind this gal and, and uh, um, I, I could tell the checker was having a bad day, you know. And, and, and so this this person came up and and. They were debating different things and, you know, how come the thing's not working? And then the checker thing didn't work and or she wanted some extra money back. And, oh, it was. And, and so she was just mean. And uh, and she had a few parting words when she left. And so I'm next in line. What do you do? You know, I mean, if if you've got any ounce of compassion, you can at least say, hey, I am so sorry that you experienced that. I want you to know, you know, and I've. Try to go to the same checker a lot, right? Because then you make a relationship, right? As much as you can do in a grocery line. But, you know, you, you just say, I think that you do a really, really great job. And you handle that really, really well. And I could just see, you know, just she was able to calm down a little bit. And she said, hey, thank you very much, right? Well, that's, that's just representing Christ in that moment. And, and hopefully at some point you hope that you can go even further and find out what their name is. You know, go through a check your line, look at the name tag, call them by name. They're a person, not a commodity, right? See where I'm going with this? Is that we just need to engage with people and we need to have a gentle, non-judgmental spirit about us and a willingness to get involved with their life, a willingness to talk about them and, and encourage them. And you might be surprised how quickly somebody might be open to recognizing Jesus in you. Right? So I want to encourage you that way. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 and 26 says this, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed, in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape 
from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. If we would be more aware of the fact that when someone is acting a little nasty, they're a little out of sorts and they're treating us badly, if we would more, instead of getting combative with them, writing them off, being judgmental with them, if we could understand that they're being held in a trap by Satan. Would you have a little bit more compassion? Right? It's it's like if you found this little animal that was in a a trap, you know, or got themselves into a a problem. I remember Janice and I were walking, uh, take a lot of walks. We were living out in in the Clovis area. This was many, many years ago. And and we were right on the edge, so there was little farmland and trees and stuff. And there was a little sheep pen there. And we walked by there, and the sheep, you know, they're chomping on the grass and stuff. And one of the dumb things that sheep do, um, they like the, the they think the grass is better on the other side of the fence, right? And so this poor sheep had stuck its head through the fence, you know, and it was one of these wire, square wire things, and you could tell he was just you know, trying, trying, trying to get out of this thing. And, and it was, uh, what do you do? You, you feel sorry for it. I mean, you could walk by and laugh like, oh, dumb sheep, you know. But what do you do? I mean, if you have any ounce of compassion, you try to, what? So I went up to the, the sheep and I put my hand on his face and he didn't like that. And, 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 and then I pushed really hard, really, really hard. And I finally, finally, finally got that sheep out of there. And you know why he didn't even thank me? Crazy, crazy sheep, right? You know, people may not thank you, but to have compassion on people, when you see them maybe out of sorts and they're not even treating you well, let, uh, you know, turn the tables. Have compassion. Maybe they're being held captive. You don't know what just happened to them today, right? And so have that compassion and have that gentle spirit about you, and it changes things. And then number three, yep, ride the donkey, ride the donkey, bring the peace. And the peace is not just calming the moment. The peace is really bringing Jesus into the scenario, right? Because Jesus is our peace. Maybe someone will ask you the question, how can you be so calm when that guy has been so mean to you, right? Maybe you then have an opportunity to say, it's only because of Jesus in me. It's only because of what God has done for me that I'm able to be kind to others. And that, maybe that's all you need to say. But that could be an eye-opener for someone. And maybe they would like to have the same calm spirit that you have and the gentleness that you have that they're unable to achieve because they're being held captive by one of Satan's traps, right? And so go with a confidence and know that God left, came to you, came in a gentle, non-judgmental way and brought peace to you, right? And he did that through sacrifice, through sacrifice. So it's a sacrificial act. When we come into people's lives, we become more intentional. We move toward people, not away from them. And then we're what? We're gentle. We're not judgmental. And then we are able to bring peace, the peace named Jesus, into the scenario where hopefully they can receive Jesus too. 
and have eternal peace. All right? Okay, let's pray. God, thank you for your love. Thank you that that this was a day where you represented um, your desire to to be with us, to come to us, to move out of a comfortable space into a, a space that's a little scary. And uh, God, thank you that you came in a gentle way. And thank you, Lord, that you, you really did come for one purpose, and that is to restore our relationship with God and with one another. Help us to see others the way that you see them. Help us to love others the way you love them, to be more intentional about how we connect with the people that are in our sphere of influence. And we look forward to seeing more people um, light up when they realize how much they're loved by you. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you for this day. Uh, Thank you for the encouragement it brings to our hearts in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com. Thank you.